In the lead up of moving back home to California in June of 2019, I spent a fair bit thinking about what we mean when we say God will take care of us, because that was a time when we needed it to be extremely literal. Housing, food, clothes, ways to provide for our kids. And I knew that we needed to be willing to consider that how that happened might look different than what I was used to, because up until the move to start Pomona Valley Church, Curtis and I had always been on church staffs with budgets and retirement contributions. There were all these ways God might take care of us, but they might not be tidy or in our control. And we also had a sense for us in that time, we had to get on with it and move, even though we didn't know. In other words, It was a time where we had to practice trust. Here at Pomona Valley Church, we regularly use two words to describe how we hope our participation in faith, our life with God day to day, would feel. Joyful and sustainable. We say we want to joyfully and sustainably live the one another's neighbor well and do justice. Sabbath matters because it's a major tool for that to be really how it is, at least a decent amount of the time. And it's not only because Sabbath rest helps with sustainability. It's not only because Sabbath play is joyful. It's also because Sabbath is a thing we do. And we are far more likely to feel differently about how we live if we actually live differently. In particular, we are far more likely to believe God is trustworthy if we actually practice trusting. See, a lot of us know that some of what we know comes from our rational thinking, word-based world, but only some. In fact, probably less than we want to give credit for. It would seem like nearly all of it does sometimes, the way the world works with words and ideas dominating so much of official learning spaces in particular. But there is such a huge amount of how we come to know things that's embodied. Now, what's funny is we are actually inclined to perceive ourselves as learning more via methods like lecture, even as studies show that we learn more by participating. One example comes from Harvard's science department. They had students spend a chunk of time in well-delivered lectures, and the other part of the group spent that time in active learning. Then the groups flip-flopped and did the opposite mode. Throughout the process, the researchers asked them to give feedback about how they felt about each kind of learning experience, which ones they liked better, and whether they thought they learned more from one mode versus the other. Now, test scores were higher, for the participants in the active learning mode. But what is fascinating is that students consistently perceived their learning to be better through the lectures, and they consistently said they liked it better. One guess about why? Active learning is actually harder. If it's the right kind of hard, we learn more. But also harder, it feels uh, harder. When we read Exodus 16, looking for one of the reasons why we Sabbath. What we find is the story of God helping the people practice active learning. Upon entering the wilderness, the way God helps the people trust is by feeding them. Every day they have to walk out, bend down, scoop up, 
They spend the day snacking on something that was literally not there before. But then God takes it one step further by giving them a day a week where they collect double, followed by a day a week where the manna won't come. And I suppose there's two ways to see that seventh day. Someone might say, look at how God doesn't provide for us. We can't trust God. Or on the other hand, someone might look and say, look at how God not only provided us food, but rest. It must be that God can be trusted. I think there are people who look at the way God hasn't done things how they wanted them to or expected them to, and then concluded God must not have taken care of them. But the way of Sabbath helps align the rhythm of our week such that we practice with our whole body, trusting that things will be okay. Even if we don't keep working, keep striving, keep staying busy to make things okay. And I find it interesting that this isn't just active learning. It's deeply embodied learning. We may be familiar with books like The Body Keeps the Score or Burnout, where the authors remind us that people cannot rationally think their way into certain kinds of healing and recovery and wholeness. The complex relationship between our brains and our bodies, our hormones, our emotions, it's such that there are certain things that do not change unless we start with our bodies to help them change. In my own life, you may know that back when I was an undergrad, I was mugged while I studied abroad in Costa Rica. The family that hosted me, while very kind, was also very unhelpful in the aftermath, claiming I was okay over and over again in order to calm me. Of course, I was not okay. I was very much not okay, and it was a couple of years before I came to realize I had post-traumatic stress disorder. And so upon a recommendation from a seminary faculty member, I went and saw a therapist who was supposed to be a trauma specialist, and we talked about what happened. Oh, did we talk. Every week we talked. For an hour we talked. I came to dread those sessions, and for 12 weeks I just kept showing up thinking this is how I was supposed to get better as we talked about it. In the end... I got too tired of all the talking. I got too tired of dreading it. I stopped and I didn't return to some sort of therapy for many years. When I came back though, I came back to somebody who had studied brain spotting. Brain spotting, if you're not familiar, involves literally staring at the end of a stick. At least it did for this practitioner who would guide me to help notice the level of my emotions while this stick moved across my field of vision. And when we found a place where things were heightened, we'd stop, stare at the stick, and breathe. Now, he also had some ways he facilitated, but we did not spend most of our time talking, at least not in the way this first uh, therapist had asked me to do. It was through the body that we started to help my body recover and heal. And I'll be darned if about six sessions in, I was not experiencing the world in radically more healed ways than I had before through the body. You'll see similar experiences for people who do treatments like EMDR as well. There are things that don't heal unless our bodies help them heal. Now, those same books that point out how our bodies hold on to things, they also make the point about how stress clings to our insides and how it often needs to be worked out physically if it's going to be reduced. A simple example that might be familiar relates to the hormone, hormone cortisol. It needs to work its way through our system through movement and sleep. And this is just me imagining here. But in Exodus, we have a people who need to heal from the trauma of enslavement in, in Egypt. 
And we have a God who knows all of these things about our bodies and our healing and a God who wants our wholeness. Might this literal embodied rhythm of collecting the manna, but then Sabbathing still, do something really important for them. God would know that this is how our bodies work. The people might be concerned with hunger on the surface, but perhaps God is more concerned with their healing at a deeper level. There are certain things we only learn by doing them. When we actually do practice Sabbath, we learn to trust God more and more. And without the practice of Sabbath, I think it's possible that we might not experience God's trustworthiness in quite the same way. This was literally the case for the Israelites in this situation. Exodus 16, 27 says, On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather and found none. Yahweh said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and instructions? See, Yahweh has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, I give you food for two days. Each of you stay where you are. Don't leave your place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day, says verse 30. We're all at times like the Israelites who hold extra until morning or who go back on day seven. It's hard to do things on God's terms. It seems a lot riskier by far, but the invitation in the wilderness is to learn that God gives us Sabbath. And so God gives us the means to keep it. And as we do, we come to know deep in our gut that God can be trusted, not just in Sabbath but in our whole lives. If you ever find yourself feeling like, I want to trust God more and more, I want to trust God to bring about a more joyful and sustainable way of living, but the shifting, the new patterns, the risk can be hard. Perhaps starting, just doing, might be your next right step. We think we can't start Sabbath and stop other things because the work sustains us. Beneath that is likely the reality that we think we sustain ourselves. And of course, if we care for or are responsible to others, we think we sustain them. So we practice stopping because our God sustains us. And Sabbath is a hands-on way to experience how God might go about doing so. Sabbath is the act of learning that God will care for us. Sabbath is the embodied practice of trust.